TSCRA Talk, a podcast by Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. I'm your host, Kristen Brown. Joining us for this episode is Justin Benavides, an AgriLife Extension Assistant Professor and Economist, to discuss selling beef directly to consumers. Justin, welcome to TSCRA Talk. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. So, Justin, today we're discussing direct consumer beef sales, which can be pretty complex. Yes, it is a very complicated topic, and not only from you know the animal productivity side and the animal management side, but the legal aspects of getting the correct licensing. Then, from my point of view, you know the business side of it, making it work as a business to make more money is it's all very complicated. There's a lot of options and a lot of things to plan for that I, I think before you really boil down into it and look at the business planning of it, you don't really realize that it's not as simple as I'm going to sell my calf, walk it off and have it processed and sold to somebody else. It's a bit more complicated than that. Looking at the business and numbers side, give us your perspective overall. There are you know risks and rewards from taking on one of these systems. I view it as an option for enterprise diversification and some risk management, right? There are years when you look at feeder returns and packer returns, and in general, they offset. So typically when the cattle feeder is making money, the packer is not. And typically when the packer is making money, the cattle feeder is not. Um, They kind of offset. So you can look at this as an opportunity to access a larger portion of the market. And not only that, but because of the way that system usually balances, have a bit of risk management built in. We see the profits. We have this principle in economics called the law of one price. And that essentially says that, you know, most of the profits in a system are squeezed out. And if you are accessing the rest of the system, you're going to incur some costs and you're going to incur some revenues that largely balance out. But the good news is here that if you sit down with that budget and you really plan out what you need your break-even prices to be, there is a lot of opportunity in this market because of the way that people are wanting to access their producer, that are wanting to access their farmer and know the story of where their food comes from. So if you were to adopt this system today and you are moving from a cow-calf system all the way to a direct sales system where we're selling a grain-fed steer direct to consumers, whether it's a a half or you're selling cuts, we see about $25 to $100, depending on your system, per head additional return over what you see from selling that calf out of the cow-calf system. So that doesn't sound like a lot. And some folks have told me they think it is more than that, but it adds up over time. You know, And if we start adding $100 a head or, or even $50 a head per year on sales, that can really add up over time. And again, there's going to be years where you can lose money on this enterprise. But if you sit down with a budget, you really plan out what you need to do, and you have some flexibility built in. Maybe there are years where you don't want to retain ownership and you're doing more of a piecemeal, I've got some beef for sale approach, then there's probably some real opportunity in this market, particularly once you get off the ground. So we think about, I'm going to sell through the calves this year, direct sales and see how it goes. And then again, next year, I'll try five. Next year, I'll try 10. And then if beef prices go down and it looks more profitable, sell that calf directly off at the 450 weight 
maybe do it a bit more flexibly. So there's a lot of opportunity here and a lot of flexible options that I think are worth considering whether you're running 25 head of cattle or whether you're running a couple thousand, there's probably some extra money to be made in here if you do it the right way. That reminds me of a topic that comes up so often here on the podcast, and that is the importance of keeping good records. When things change and you need to pivot and you have those numbers, you have the ability to make an educated decision based on the facts. You can evaluate what's going on and right now with the world and the markets and everything, it seems like one thing after another is just causing turbulence for the past few years. But it would be valuable to have the hard facts to make educated decisions from. Absolutely. I don't even know if we can call them black swans anymore because there have been so many of them there. I mean, it's like a flock of black swans hit us all in the last two or three years. But you're absolutely right. That that I love that you made that point because we definitely try to pound that into our producers whenever we can. And yeah, if you don't know what your costs are and you don't know how much you're spending, frankly, you know, if you don't know how each cow is performing, you don't know how profitable she is. If she's weaning a calf that's 15 or 20 pounds lighter than the rest of the herd on an annual basis, as our beef cattle specialist here in Amarillo, Jason Smith says, maybe we need to look for a better career for her somewhere else and find an animal that actually meets our performance standards and our profitability goals better. So you made an excellent point. My eye. I love that record-keeping point. Getting more into the details, would you say sitting down and hammering out the specifics in a business plan would be the first step? Sure. So the first thing I would think about is, you know, why do you want to do this, right? Is it a strategy of you just wanting to access your customers better and have a better relationship with customers of your own? Is it to make a lot more money? Is it to make a little more money? Is it a risk management strategy for you overall, right? A lot of the interest here has kind of risen as our beef producers were not able to access a packing plant during COVID-19, or if they sold to feedlots, the feedlots weren't offering very much for feeder calves because they were backed up in relation to the packing plant. And so a lot of folks thought, you know, I can just turn around and sell directly to a small locker and make some money that way. So the question becomes, you know, why do you want to do this? And you can't really know. It sounds a little bit, you know, I guess a more of a soft skill side question, but you want to know what your goal is. Otherwise, you don't know whether or not you're successful or where you're going. So for my instance, I would assume people are wanting to make more money. And so, yeah, working with a business plan and seeing, you know, from the beginning, Am I going to make more money doing this or am I actually going to lose money? Because there's some instances where you can lose some cash by expanding into this enterprise. Well, that makes sense. It does. Okay. So you've got your business plan and then you've got some cattle. What do you do next? So there's a couple of different options, right? Let's say that you're a cow-calf producer. You can go the route of, I want to raise a calf through all the way through that stocking level. So I want to grow them 750 pounds. So you've retained ownership of them a little bit longer. Then I can go ahead and send them to a custom feed yard. There's sometimes some limits on how many calves you can send to a custom feeder, or you can think about grass finishing your own beef, right? And think about uh, doing it on your own pasture. At that point, then you'd want to identify a locker. And we've got a bunch of tips and tricks that we'll be publishing soon on identifying the correct partners for custom feeding and for uh, custom processing, but you want to identify the partners you want to work with throughout the rest of the 
supply chain that you're now trying to access. So that becomes kind of our second step. And once you get all of those questions answered, you go back and look at how do I need to change my cow-calf operation? How do I need to change what I'm currently doing in order to be able to access the rest of the supply chain? So what licenses do I need? If I am going to a locker, what kind of inspection certification do they have? If you're thinking about grass finishing your beef, you know, if you've got a cow-calf operation right now where you typically, you know, wean calves and sell them at 400 or 450 pounds, and suddenly you're thinking about grass finishing all the way up to 1,300 or 1,200, how do you need to adjust your stocking rates to be able to have the forage available for those heavier, larger animals? Or how much more land and forage do you need to go access to be able to grow full weight calves? So kind of that filling in, you know, how do I get to the rest of the supply chain? Who am I going to work with? And then what steps do I need to take to adjust my current production to access the rest of that market? So lots of planning goes into this. I think if you want to do it profitably, yes, there's a lot of planning and a lot of execution, uh, excuse me, a lot of planning before you take any steps to execute this kind of plan. Going into the processing side, there are regulations and licenses to be aware of. What needs to be considered when it comes to the slaughter component? You know, you think about the different kinds of inspections. We've got different regulations that apply to meat that's going to be sold in-state. So we go right down the road and have it processed at a local locker, and it's going to be sold somewhere within the state of Texas. There's a different license for that compared to I want to sell across state lines. There are also circumstances in which you can sell a live animal to a consumer, and then that consumer has their own calf custom process, even though you may be the one delivering their calf for them, if they already have ownership of it, there's different exemptions for different kinds of processing and procedures. Tiffany Dowell-Lashman, our ag law specialist here for AgriLife Extension, has a bunch of resources on that particular aspect of licensing coming out here very soon. So she would be a good person to reach out to to look for the specific rules and regulations on what licenses you would need to do the different kinds of planning. Because again, if you're looking for a Texas market, then you need a different license than I'm trying to go national, or maybe I'm in the panhandle and I've got customers I want to sell to in New Mexico, Kansas, and Oklahoma. Sure, sure. Now, the next step after processing, labels, packaging, any kind of claims on the labels, that's another thing to think through. All natural, grass-fed, organic. Talk to us a little bit about that aspect. There's a lot of different, and this is a confusing process, even when you go through the procedures to get certified, right? So I think it's good practice to look at what USDA certified organic or what a USDA certified program provides to us, simply because those claims are backed by a, a licensing and a set. We can make all sorts of claims on labels, but a license, for instance, USDA certified organic procedure tells us that there's certain conditions that have been met. So you want to look at the different kinds of claims you're making on your label, the different kinds of licensing that's required under different label claims. And you want to think about what does it cost me to get into those different label categories, right? So if we think about, I want to go USDA certified organic, for instance, I've already been producing calves and let's say I've even, you know, been direct selling some beef, but I'm thinking about getting into that USDA certified organic market. 
you want to look at for every pound of beef I sell, how much is it going to cost me to get it USDA certified organic, for instance? And am I actually making enough per pound? Are there, is there enough demand for organic beef for me to profitably make that transition? Because sometimes we will go in and make all these changes and we don't really think about the accounting cost, you know, how much more this is, is going to take for us to make a USDA certified organic product. And are we actually going to cover our costs um, on that side? Do the people buying direct sale beef actually care enough about organic certification or grass-fed or whatever the case may be to access my beef at a premium? You know, am I going to be able to sell it to make a profit? So again, it takes a lot of planning and you want to get down to the nitty-gritty of whether or not this system actually makes you money because there are certain years, frankly, where it will and certain years where it very likely will not. When it comes to selling the beef, talk about the different options with selling a half or a quarter versus individual cuts. So there's some risks and rewards from doing either system, right? So we think about, I want to sell as a half or a quarter. Well, for you, you know, you actually get rid of inventory a little bit easier, but you may have to think about selling it at closer to a wholesale price than a retail price because you probably have fewer consumers out there that are trying to access a half or a quarter of a carcass, whereas you can divide up your cuts and price them appropriately to sell piecemeal a little bit easier. But that does become complicated because if you're selling your cuts piecemeal, we find that you wind up with a lot of ground beef, like a lot of ground beef off of a a carcass and a limited number of steaks, a limited number of some of those more high value cuts, the cuts that generate a lot of revenue. So the advantage of the retail cut sales side is that you can move products at more specific price points, but sometimes you may have a hard time moving all of your product, right? There's only a certain amount of grind that people are out there looking for. And frankly, you know, there is a little bit less, I believe, and we're, we're lacking some research in this area, but if I'm a consumer and what we found anecdotally is that, you know, people who are looking for grind or for ground beef or can go out in, in their perception, probably access some ground beef for cheaper at the store than maybe from a producer where they like that idea and that customer access of a direct sold steak or a direct sold roast. There's a bit more ability to mark those cuts up as premiums. And so it kind of depends again on the customer you want to target, what system you want to go after. We have that idea of, I think a lot of us in agriculture or people that live in a rural area and may not be involved in ag like that idea of, I want to buy half a beef or I want to buy a quarter of a beef, whatever the case may be. And some of those folks that live in a more urban setting are probably going to be looking for more of a cut-by-cut sale or I want to buy this set package of beef that comes with X number of steaks, X pounds of grind, X number of roasts. So you want to identify the market you think you want to access and see where you think that balance is. And if you're thinking about a, a flexible system, you know, you can sell some of it as a half or as a quarter, and you can sell some of it more in a direct package. Uh, the good thing is if you start small and start experimenting with this, you can try a couple of different things to see what works for you. I do think that's one of the you know notes to make in the system is you don't necessarily have to switch your entire enterprise whole hog. You can start trying it out incrementally and seeing how it works for you. Another important factor in the equation is potentially needing to store the beef. 
we think about storage, um, you can rent locker space sometimes. Uh, certain processors actually include a certain number of storage days in their contract with you to process. But if you think that you're going to be moving a lot of inventory and you're going to be a very involved business, and it's it's not just, you know, I've got four or five calves that I want to I want to sell this method through this method on an annual basis, then you want to think about the cost of storage space, the cost of freezer space, because it is definitely non-zero. Fueling that in particular is something you want to factor in when you're establishing your break-even costs and what you need to charge for your beef, because um, particularly, you know, we're talking in the middle of this um, Russia-Ukraine conflict, not only is fuel getting more expensive, but our power is going to get more expensive as a function of those fuel costs. So you want to think over time, how do I keep my product at the appropriate temperature? And that's one of those things that I think is probably one of the jumps of, hey, I'm doing this for a few calves and I can move the product quickly enough that I don't need my own storage space versus moving into a much more inventory or capital intensive system where I'm going to go ahead and establish and pay for my own freezer space that somehow I have to pay for through my beef enterprise. It's definitely a cost that needs to be considered whenever we are building this plan out. Absolutely. Now, a topic that you've mentioned a few times in our conversation is risk management. Give us some more insight there. So we really encourage, you know, whether you're going into direct sales or whether you're just selling your calves out of a cow-calf operation or if you're running a stocker operation, to look into risk management options. Um, It's a big component of operating profitably, but not only that, protecting your bottom line, right? So in all these wild market swings you're seeing, we definitely want to build in some financial security. And so there's a bunch of programs out there that are addressed in the resource we're, we're coming out with financial risk management. So, you know, we classically, I think, when we think about futures and options, but there's so much more than that. There's disaster assistance tools like the Livestock Forage Program that covers drought losses. There's the Livestock Risk Protection Program. There's essentially a subsidized options contract. It's price insurance for livestock. There's also PRF, you know, Pasture Rangeland and Forage that is an insurance program that'll indemnify you for for rain losses. And particularly if you're west of Abilene, what we find is that every dollar invested in PRF generates on average $2 to $3 in return. So we definitely want to, particularly as you expand and you own these calves for a much longer time and you invested a bit more money and time into this production on the direct sales side, we want you to consider risk management. And there's some legal risk management as well that Tiffany can address, you know, and making sure that you're covered for the food that you are now selling direct to the consumer. So risk management is an all-important part of any business, but particularly when you're dealing with such a volatile market and and these biological systems and agriculture that we manage all the time. So Justin, wrapping up today, talk to us a little bit about the resource that you and Tiffany Lashman are working on that you've referenced throughout the podcast today. So Tiffany Lashman and I are putting together a book on the legal and economic aspects of direct marketing your own beef. You know, there's the animal science side and the growing side and the specific cuts that you want to look into. That's all separate from what our focus is. So we've got a manuscript that's coming out that's going to be, you know, a direct to you type of publication that says, whenever I'm sitting down to write the plan, 
to do the business outline to estimate my costs? How do I go through that procedure? You know, Tiffany's side of the book is what are those licenses that I need? What are the legal claims I can make? Or what are the things that I need to address to make certain legal claims? And then on my side of the book, we're really going to dial down into the nitty gritty of how do I develop my budget for the cow-calf side, the intermediate, you know, what we normally think of as a stalker side, the fed cattle side, whether I'm going to grass finish or grain finish, and then the, the beef processing side. You know, how do I establish break-even prices? It becomes a little complicated, again, on, depending on how you're going to sell it. But I really dive into the financials, and we look at a couple of different enterprise structures and deciding, is this a good idea for me financially? So that is the resource that should be coming out very soon. And we're also going to have some accompanying workshops later on in the year where we get to spend an entire day talking about the full extent of that book. So those dates are yet to be set, but we'll be broadcasting them, you know, with the help of, I hope, TSCRA and through our internal AgriLife resources as well. Well, we look forward to this book coming out and it sounds like it's going to be a great resource for producers. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And yeah, we look forward to getting it out there and sharing it with folks. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us today. To learn more about TSDRA, visit tsdra.org.